Well, good morning, Parallel Church. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the conclusion of our series. Uh, relationships are wonderful. Until they're not. All right. And, and uh, if, if, you know, if uh, many of us have experiences, a lot of, I mean, let's be honest, a lot of our pain, most of our, our pain comes from from relationships that go sideways, one way or another. From the time that we're very young, and I'm not just talking about romance, but the time we're very young. Anybody, anybody get hurt by anybody in school? Yeah. Right, relationships are wonderful, until they're not. Um, welcome to all of our campuses that are joining us. Welcome to Tabor and Claire's Home and Okotoks and Lloyd Minster. Welcome Lethbridge. Welcome to all of you joining us online. Yeah, come on up, Anthony. We can bring that up. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Man, our campus pastors have done an amazing job uh, in, in this last couple of weeks on introducing this series. And we've been talking about boundaries and what boundaries in relationship. And I hate that word, to be quite honest. Uh, there's books that are out there that are on boundaries. And I cringe anytime somebody talks about boundaries. Um, and because what we hear, whenever we hear boundaries, we hear restrictions. And we hear, we hear uh, you know, things that we're not supposed to do, and we lock people out, and we push away. That's what we hear when we hear boundaries. And so I don't like that, because to me, that, I mean, I, I want not push away, I want to pull closer. I want, I want to have relationships that aren't, you know, restrictive. I want to be able to be more open. But I want to start by showing you that each one of you already understands boundaries and you got it all figured out. So if you can turn to your neighbor, that's like the most church thing I could ever say. Right there. If you turn to your neighbor, give them your cell phone and the password. No? All of you are kind of like, yeah, I saw the cell phones come out and then they're like, wait, what? You already understand boundaries. See? Come on. Okay. And, and those of you who passed it because that was to your spouse, how about, how about pull out the credit card? Yeah, and, and the pin. Make sure you share the pin. No, come on, we, we wouldn't do that. We, we know, because we understand boundaries, right? Or how many of you have passwords on your computers or on your cell phones, on your iPads, on your smart devices, so that your children can't access them? Anybody? Yeah, come on. Why? Why do we do that? We do that. Why do we do that? We, you know, we are, or on Netflix, right? We give passwords that they, don't have, they, they just can't get in. Why do we do that? We do that to protect them. Because, here, here's the truth, access requires responsibility. Right? Access requires responsibility. So setting a boundary is being responsible enough to reduce the access we grant to others based on their ability to be responsible with that access. Okay? So really, I'm going to write down, I'm going to write down two words, because this is, this is the easiest way to define what a boundary is. Okay? This one's a bigger word. Hold on. Hold on. Let's do that. We'll just do that. Okay, so what? We have, did I spell it right? Okay, good. <laughs> Mostly. Close enough. <laughs> 
right? So we have setting a boundary is really, it's about balancing access with responsibility. Okay, it's about balancing access. And if there's an imbalance between, uh, between responsibility and granted access, this is where we cre- it creates an imbalance, creates chaos, right? It creates chaos, it creates tension, it creates dysfunction, it creates, uh, it, it creates there's abuse in this, in these imbalances between access and responsibility, Right, and if we give, let's just let's just say it this way. So, an imbalance between responsibility and, and granted access creates dysfunction, chaos, and dysfunction. And so, and so, watch this. If we give, if we give somebody level ten access who has a level three responsibility in our lives, that's the the, the prescription for chaos. And come on, I, I, this, is, this is so important for us to learn. This is not just in our romantic relationships. This is in all of our relationships. And this is so important for us to learn because I think there's more violations of this today than maybe ever in history because we have internet, social media, and all these things. And watch what happens is we give because of social media. We think, and this is, this is so true. If it's not true of you, it's true of your kids. We have to teach our kids this. That, that people in, ga- in gaming or in social media will give unrestricted access to somebody that has no responsibility at all in their life, right? And we get, all of a sudden we start giving them access to our personal information. We start talking openly. We feel safer to talk openly online with somebody than we do face-to-face. Come on, look, because, and so then all of a sudden we start sharing, oversharing things we shouldn't, giving people access to our hearts who has zero responsibility in our lives. And the problem, again, we know this, you know this, as a parent, you know this. This is why you have passwords on certain things. This is why you have put restrictions in there because you're like, wait a second, you haven't proven yourself responsible yet to be able to trust you with full access. Right? We do this all the time. Because proven responsibility equals trust, right? If you're proven to be responsible with the access granted to you, this is where trust is given. If there's, if there's uh, abuse of that responsibility and, and become irresponsibility, irresponsible with the access granted to you, then what happens is there's mistrust, and mistrust happens when we become irresponsible with the access given to us. Now, listen, if somebody's irresponsible with your heart that you gave them access to and they created pain or they created hurt or that you shared something and they shared it with others that you, and they created this, this they were irresponsible with the access given to them, we are called as Christians, are we not? We are called to forgive, right? And now listen to me carefully. Right? Forgiveness does not require full access restored. There's a big difference between access, between, between trust and forgiveness. We're called to forgive, but for, forgiveness does not mean that I restore full access. And what I, what a proper and healthy boundary is when we can have, if we have a, a level seven responsibility, then we give level seven access. If there's a level three responsibility, we give level three access. If there's a level 10 responsibility, then we, and they prove themselves, then we give level 10 
axis. Does this make sense? Right? It's, it's healthy boundaries means that the level of access is equal to the level of responsibility. This is healthy. Now watch, because it just doesn't, it doesn't happen where we give level 10 access to somebody who's level 7 responsibility. It also happens, this, this happens, where somebody is, has proven themselves to be a level 10, but all of a sudden we give them a level 6 access. This happens too. And this happens especially in marriages. And especially in romantic relations. And how this happens is if somebody has hurt you in the past and you have a pain that has been undealt with in the past and you have a wound, what do we do? What do we do with that wound? We protect ourselves from ever being hurt again, don't we? And we build a boundary around that hurt. And oftentimes we build an unhealthy boundary around access because we're not even going to let the person who's closest to us, who's, who, who is most trustworthy to us, who probably is the one who could help us heal in that area, we restrict access to them because we, are, because we have a pain undealt with. And this creates... A lack of intimacy. This creates chaos again because all of a sudden somebody starts saying, well, you're withholding and why are you holding back and you're not, you're not doing this. Come on, come on. This is not just in our romantic relationships. Let's just be honest. I do this with God. Anybody else? There's certain things that I'm like, I'm too embarrassed or I'm too ashamed or I'm too whatever to share with God as if God doesn't know. Right? And so our prayer lives, we get to this place where we all of a sudden, we restrict access to certain areas and we shut God off. And we create a boundary where we won't even let God in. The one who can absolutely heal. Okay, so restricting access to someone who has been responsible with your heart is cruel. And the, the imbalance that way leads to a lack of intimacy. It leads to distancing. It leads to confusion. And we do this when we've been hurt and we're protecting it. But sometimes we protect it from the very people who are called to heal it. Now, all this talk of boundaries, let's just, be, let's just be honest. All this talk of boundaries and relationships sounds like the most unchristian thing to ever talk about because, hey, Jesus said, love one another. And Jesus said, even love your enemies and bless those who persecute you and bless those who curse you. Like, like Jesus is, is, and Jesus said, forgive 70 times seven and all these things. And I, the reason I bring up these scriptures is because all of us as Christians, this is where we, I think, misunderstand boundaries more than anything else because we have this nagging voice in the back of their, our head and saying, well, I'm supposed to forgive. I'm supposed to love. I'm supposed to love unconditionally. And I feel this. And because of that, we often confuse love forgiveness with trust and with boundaries. And we often mis misunderstand love and, and the difference, and we confuse the difference between love and access. Can I help you with this? This is, this is, this, this is a big one for me, <laughs> right? Because I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta love everybody. Meaning that I got to be available for everybody. I got to give access to everybody and equal. And I can't, if I feel, I feel, I feel it's unfair 
that I can give access to some, full access to some and not to others. And you know what ends up happening is the more access I give to those who don't have responsibility in that area, the more that I restrict access to the ones who have shown themselves responsible. Because we're just, it's not possible to give full access to everybody. And it seems unchristian. But I want to I show you that it's, it's not un-Jesus. Jesus was, Jesus, Jesus is remarkable. Whether you believe he's God or not, Jesus is remarkable. And he was absolute perfection when it comes to relationships. He was masterful. Masterful at granting access where, where he shouldn't, it seem, seemingly shouldn't, where, where it was unexpected, but at the same time, he's masterful at how he set boundaries. And I want to show you an example in Mark chapter 5. Look at this. Uh, it says this. It says, when, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of uh, Jairus, the synagogue leader. Synagogue leader, not exactly Jesus' biggest fan. Right? Pharisees, Sadducees, synagogue leaders. Jesus had a few clashes with these dudes. Like, not exactly Jesus' biggest fan. He's not there because he's a big fan of Jesus. He's probably there to be a critic and to watch out and to be, and to be jealous of. And we see that all over the place. But anyway, regardless of that, they, these, while Jesus is talking, people come and from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and they say to him, your daughter is dead. They said, why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told them, uh, told him, don't be afraid, just believe. So Jairus isn't here this day to be a critic. Jairus is there this day because he's lost all hope. And his daughter is deathly ill, and in the pro he's going to Jesus for a healing. And, and it's amazing because these critics, all of a sudden, when, it's amazing. So people, some of the people that are most outspoken critics of God, like, don't panic over this because sometimes the most outspoken critics, <laughs> there's always hope. Yeah, true. And when they need it, they know where to go. Right? And Jairus was that. And Jesus didn't say, well, you're a critic, and Jesus didn't restrict access, and you've been irresponsible, and you've been a critic, and all the rest, and didn't shut him up. He looks at Jairus, and he says, hey, he doesn't ignore him. He doesn't deny the problem. He says, don't be afraid, just believe. Charles is like, but I lost his life. I, I, what, believe in what? I just, my daughter just died. What do I need to believe? Don't be afraid, just believe. And then it looks like, this is what it looks like. It looks like Jesus just gave full access to somebody who's, it looks like an imbalance, somebody who's not responsible. And so we're looking at this and going, well, there it goes again. Jesus is perfect, and I can't do that. But hold on. The very next verse says this in verse 37. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. He did not let anyone. He did not let. He did not let Mary, Martha. He did not let Matthew and Thomas and, and Andrew, the brother of Peter, he did not let Judas, he did not let any of the 12, he did not let any of the, the close followers around him, he did not let his best friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he did not, who was probably with him at this time, he did not let anyone follow him except for Peter, James, and John. And you look at this and going, well, why? Is that cruel? That why, why can't we come along? Can you know what I mean? We're all excited because of Peter, James, and John. Like, but what about... 
What about Matthew sitting there and going, whoa. Or Andrew going, you let, Jesus, I introduced Peter to you. I was first. Like, like, come on, how come? Can't, why can't I come? And it looks like cruelty, but why, but what, 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 why did Jesus, it wasn't cruel. Jesus wasn't being cruel. This was Jesus giving a level of access to those who would later have higher levels of responsibility. And we would see later, we know the end of the story, at the end of the story, when the church is birthed in, in the book of Acts, who are the leaders of the church? Mostly Peter and John. James was right there too. These guys became, these guys had more responsibility at the birth of the church. And Jesus allowed, knowing this and training them, Jesus allowed more access, give them more access. And right after this, these same three went the Mount of Transfiguration. These three and the rest of them didn't again. Again, Jesus is balancing the access with the responsibility. And then look at this. Then he goes on. He says this. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion and people were crying and, and wailing loudly. And he went in and said to them, why, why all the commotion? And they're like, duh, Jesus, 12-year-old girl. Like, this is injustice. Like, what do you mean all the commotion? She's, she's died. And, and Jesus says, why are you crying? The child is not dead, but asleep. And look at this. It says, and they laughed at him. And they're in the midst of mourning and, and they have enough that they laugh at him. And Jesus, watch this, Jesus did not rebuke their laughter. He didn't, he did not yell at them. He did not get angry. Jesus kind of ignored all that. What did he do? How was his response? They just proved themselves to be irresponsible with this love of action. What did Jesus do next? After he put them all out. Jesus. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him, Peter, James, and John, and went into where the child was. Jesus takes the number and goes, and he gives, what's he doing? Is he being cruel? No. He is giving access to the level of responsibility. He, he just limited, he didn't kick them out, he just limited their access for this particular event. He didn't shut them off and never speak to them again. He, he didn't yell at them or be angry with them. He just decrease their level of access to correspond with the level of responsibility. He just simply set a boundary. That's it. And then, what does he do next? He, he took the girl by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old as they were completely astonished. Who's completely astonished? The father, the mother, Peter, James, and John. That's who's in the room. She just gets up and starts walking around. And they're like. <laughs> and then watch what he does next. 
And we don't know, in between this verse and the next verse, we don't know if the girl went outside at this time. We don't know if she, they just stayed in the room for a little while. We, I mean, I'm assuming that they're like, like all the people are still outside weeping away. We assume that they all of a sudden all just kind of rushed out of the room or like, look, look. And what does Jesus say next? Look, look at this. He says, he gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this. And he told them to give her something to eat, which I'm thinking they probably did. <laughs> he gave them strict orders to not let anyone know about this. Now, I've often wondered, I've often wondered, any else have, have read the stories of Jesus and why sometimes Jesus told them, hey, go tell everyone, go report to everyone. And there's other times where Jesus was like, don't tell anyone. Here's one of those times where he's like, don't tell anyone. And I often wonder, like why, did, like, why did he say don't tell anyone? And why did different times he say go tell everyone? And here's what I believe. I believe that Jesus understood that the people that were there had already proven irresponsible, that they weren't going to be responsible with sharing the, the message in the proper way and in, in, in putting it into the right context. And so he said to people who wouldn't have responsibility, he didn't give them access to be able to tell the story. He set another boundary. And he told them, don't tell anyone. And here we are, 2,000 years later, we're reading about the story. Because eventually, and this is in the book of Mark, and we know that the book of Mark was, was dictated by Peter. So eventually, Peter, who got the same orders not to tell anyone, eventually Peter talked about it. Because eventually, he got the release to tell about the story because his, his responsibility had increased to such a degree that he had access to be able to tell the story. This makes sense? Okay. They had proven. There's other times where Jesus said, don't tell anyone. And then Jesus would eventually say to his disciples, go, tell everyone, preach the gospel, go. Right, because even God, come on, even God understands that responsibility has to correspond with access. And even God knows. I mean, God, boundaries aren't just a good idea. Boundaries are a God idea. In fact, in the very first book, in the very first chapter, when God creates the heavens and the earth, what does he do? He creates boundaries. And what does he do in the garden when he creates man and woman? He says, hey, you have access to all of this except boundary. One tree. And what happens? When they break the boundary and they prove themselves irresponsible, God creates a consequence that, that decreases the, the access based on the responsibility proven. And immediately after this, they were removed from the garden. They, they got different level of access. But watch, 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 watch. That didn't restrict access from God. God didn't leave them. He just decreased access. They walked with him in the cool of the day in the garden. He decreased access, but he didn't just shut them out and saying, you're sin, you're out on your own now, suckers. Like, you're gone. Because this is what we do. Come on, this is what we do. Sometimes when someone has, been, has proven themselves to be irresponsible with our hearts and it creates hurt and it creates pain, what do we do? We create a barrier right in between and we go from 10 responsibility, we go from 10 to zero. And 10 to 0 is not responsible either. God didn't go from 10 to 0, even though they betrayed him and all the rest of it. God didn't go from 10 to 0. God went from 10 to 5. 
or whatever that number might be, and he restricted access. Why did God do this? Why did God create, why did God restrict the access? Why did he do this? Because God was set into place, he set into place to restore the relationship, not to destroy it. Which is the purpose of boundaries. Boundaries, the purpose of boundaries is, is a way to protect intimacy, not decimate it. It's all about restoration. It's all about removing the chaos so that I can decrease the access based on the, the proven responsibility so that I can get my, find the trust boundaries again, trying to find the trust ground again. And once I find it, whether I have to decrease to five or to four or whatever, and, and, go, and all of a sudden they prove themselves responsibility at that level, then we can increase the access. And then we can increase the access. And it's all about the restoration of relationships, not the decimation of it. I mean, the mercy of God, that the reason he removed them from the garden is so that he could restore relationship, not just with Adam and Eve, but for all of us. So that eventually, all of us can get back in to the 10 10 access. Does that make sense? So here's today's takeaway. Simply this. Lisa Turker said this, is that love can be unconditional, but relational access never should be. Love can be unconditional, but relational access shouldn't be. So here's, here's what I want you to do, is I, I want you to evaluate your relationships, all of your relationships, not just your marriage, start with your marriage, but evaluate all of your relationships as much as you can and kind of just have this in, in your mind and going, maybe at work, can I just, I'm just gonna be blunt, is that all right? Maybe at work, maybe you've re- restricted access to your spouse because of fear of being hurt or wounded or intimacy gap in here and you won't talk to your spouse to the level that you give access to a coworker. That's what leads to chaos. It leads to problems. And sometimes it's easier to talk more openly to a stranger, isn't it? But that leads to chaos. That leads to problems. But here's something I want you to do is evaluate all of your relationships. All your online relationships, your co-work relationships, your neighbor relationships, your, your friendships, your, your romantic relationships, and evaluate it and going, is the level of access, am I granting the level of access that's equal to the level of responsibility? Am I giving access to the right people? Am I giving too much access to the wrong people? And evaluate this. And, and as we ch- I challenge you to go, I, well, as Christians, we're, we're supposed to love everybody. We're, we're loving everybody. Yes, but love, and I love how Lisa says it, love does not mean unrestricted access. Because as Jesus, the Bible says, is love. God is love. And yet even God restricted, and even Jesus restricted access at points. Because he was in the purpose of restoring relationships, not dismantling them. And removing chaos. That's what he's trying to do. Does this help anybody? 
Boundaries are a way to protect intimacy, not decimate them. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you, God, that you modeled this way. I thank you, Jesus, that you've, you modeled this for us and in such a perfect, amazing way. And God, I pray that you'd help us. Holy Spirit, help us this week. Reveal to us our, our relationships. Help us to see with clarity the access versus the responsibility in, in all of our relationships, God. And I pray that we would be able to move forward with clarity and with the courage we need to, to bring our relationships into balance. In Jesus' name, amen. Some of you might be here this morning and you've, you've restricted access to God altogether. Maybe, and probably, because somebody was irresponsible at one point with telling you who God is or what religion looks like and you've restricted access to God altogether. And I'm not saying you need to amp up your access to God to a level 10. I'm just saying let's take it from zero to one. Just be open and saying, I, I want to I trust God enough. Can I trust God enough to be responsible with my heart? And all I need to do to invite him in, to give him access, level one access, is to confess with my mouth that Jesus is God. And if I believe in my heart that he rose again from the dead, then I will be saved. I will have access God. That's level one. That's starting at the beginning. It's not joining a church, giving access to a church. It's not joining a religion. Absolutely not. It's beginning a relationship with Jesus. So I'm going to lead us all in a prayer that's so powerful that if you pray this prayer and believe it as you pray it along with me, I'll lead you through it. That right here, right now, you can begin a relationship with with God. And let's pray this together. Everyone repeat this after me. If you're watching online, pray with me wherever you're watching from. Let's pray this together. Dear Jesus, I confess that you are God. And I believe that you rose again from the dead. And I ask you right now to become my God, my Lord and Savior, my friend. Thank you for forgiving me of all my wrongs, for accepting me just as I am. I give my heart to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm ask everyone to close their eyes and bow your heads out of respect to the people around you. If you prayed this prayer for the first time and you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, we have a gift at the end of the service we'd love to give you. It's a Bible. It's our free gift to you. Everyone else's eyes are closed and heads bowed. If you prayed this prayer for the first time, just quickly give me a wave. Only raise up your hand. Just give me a wave and say, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Amen. Thank you. Isn't God good?